Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, lots of NFL talk here on the GM Shuffle, including concerns about Todd Gurley. Also, Roger Goodell saying four preseason games not necessary. And don't buy the hype of camp. But more importantly, there was a time, Mr. Lombardi, you'd walk down the streets and say, who's the heavyweight champion of the world? And everybody would know. Well, now it's a different era in boxing. And being a host of their coverage in the zone on Saturday night, I was able to say the unified heavyweight champion of the world is a guy named Anthony Joshua. Good-looking guy, body beautiful, articulate, funny, charming, talking to him Thursday, talking to him Friday, like, my God. And he's facing Andy Ruiz, who's giving hope to chubby guys everywhere. Oh, my God. In his own words, he said, I'm a chubby guy who doesn't look the part. He goes out and shocks the world. He knocks down this guy, Joshua, four times. He's a unified heavyweight champion of the world. How incredible was that scene? It was unbelievable. I watched it like five times. I mean, it was unbelievable. First of all, he's got flubber flouting around. I mean, it's like me when I go to the beach it was so great and then like it looks like the trunks like they had a special order those trunks there's no way they come in a standard size right so that was great and he beat the crap out of the guy i mean it was unbelievable you know and every time i watch a fight scene it's always you know parcells loves fighters right parcells would talk about fighters constantly and and there's always a moment and i it hit me when i watched the end of this fight and i wonder what you thought on this so parcells talks about how there's two fighters, Vito Anafermo and another guy. I think it was Hurricane somebody. He were, They were fighting. And, and it kind of got into like the seventh or eighth round. And all of a sudden, Cyclone Hart. It was Cyclone Hart and Vito Anafermo. And Cyclone Hart, just in the eighth round, just couldn't go anymore. Right. And he just quit. That was it. So when they go back to their dressing room, they're sitting there. And there's just a sheet between the two of them. Right. And Vito Anafermo's telling his trainer, like, I didn't think I could go another minute. I didn't think I could go another minute. I thought for sure I was going to die. I just thank God he quit before I quit. Meanwhile, Cyclone Hart hears that. And he realizes the margin between what's great and what's not is so small. And I thought when I saw Johnson standing on the ropes, he just didn't really want to go another mile with this guy. Yeah, there was some talk after his mic, should the fight have gone longer? Because you hear the referee saying, you want to keep going? He says, yeah. But to your point, his body language is he's leaning on the ropes. He's just not stepping forward saying, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. He's been knocked down four times. I thought the ref was smart to stop the fight there because he just didn't have it. Now, whatever excuse you want to have, listen, you got to you do the autopsy now. Say, was he overconfident? Was he cocky? Coming over from the UK, his, his time zone difference screwed him all up. There was 8,000 fans, Mike, in that arena. Let me tell you something. Madison Square Garden, a fight there. You can say that what you want about boxing, but you and I both know this. If you go to Madison Square Garden, if you go to any street corner in New York City, and on one corner a guy's hitting a baseball, one corner a guy's throwing a football, one corner a guy's shooting hoops, and on one corner two guys are beating the crap out of each other. Everybody that. goes <laughs> yeah, there, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's still the appeal of boxing. And that feeling when two fighters first go in a ring, it's electrifying. Yeah, and most heavyweight fighters always have restaurants. I can't wait for Ruiz's restaurant. Can you imagine how good that's going to be? All you can eat buffet? I mean, seriously. We were looking at the fattest guys ever, like two-ton Tony Galento. Uh, Butterbean was 426. Foreman, when he came back, you'll recall, was bigger, and he kind of had fun with it. Right? Foreman Grill and all the rest of it. He was huge at that time. Unbelievable. That was so good. I loved it. It was awesome. Definitely a great spectacle. And, of course, there'll be a rematch between Anthony Joshua and Andrew Reese coming up on zone. Now we shift over to football and concerns around Todd Gurley here, Mike. This is a guy who we know can be prolific. He's a key running back. Uh, but how concerned are you about his health, particularly his knee? 
Well, so look, when you go back to when Todd Gurley came out of Georgia, right, everybody was concerned of his knee. Belichick and I go down to Georgia to work out, see if he's going to work out. Doesn't stiffs us on the workout. We work out David Andrews, which was great. Anyway, but the concern was his knee. We thought maybe he could eventually slip because people were medically concerned about the knee. And it wasn't that he they people were concerned about he was not going to be able to play. They were concerned about longevity. Same concern people had about Malcolm Mitchell. We kind of ignored it and said, okay, we'll take Malcolm Mitchell, no big deal. But that ended up being the doctors were right on that one. And this one, I think the doctors are right. So when then he gets this contract extension, this huge deal with all this guaranteed money, and everybody in the league is not saying, oh, my God, he doesn't deserve it talent-wise. They're all saying he doesn't deserve it because of durability moving forward and you know when Jay Glazer reports something he's getting it directly from somebody who's talking to it and so this is a problem I, and I think this is going to continue to be a problem as it goes on because what many people don't understand about 11 personnel one back one tight end in the game which the Rams run a lot of it's the back that makes the offense it's not the receivers people confuse it the back makes it the biggest thing you've taught me about football, just in the short time we've done the GM shuffle, is as you said, when evaluating running backs, blocking is the first thing. Because if you can't yeah. block, why on earth are we going to use this guy? If you can't pass protect, as you said, Tom Brady's like, I don't trust this guy. Every time I get him walloped, out. Yeah, get him out of yeah. here. If you're the Rams, what do you do? Do you, do you make a move in terms of depth? Do you wait to see it play it out if you're Sean McVay? Well, I think because they've got Brown there, they drafted Henderson, they've got guys I think they like. But I think what, what Gurley gives them – is it gives them that multidimensional player. When he's in the game, is it run or pass? I mean, remember, Gurley averaged over 10 yards a catch one year. I mean, his impact in the passing game made that 11 personnel go because not only do you have to stack the box, you've got to play the runs. You've got to also handle alert screen draw. Remember on the sidelines, that great classic scene where Lou Saban's on the side, oh, shit, just watch the screen, watch the draw. Oh, hell, just remember everything. Well, when you have a back like that, you got to watch out for everything. I mean, that really is what has to happen. And I think losing, if Gurley misses some time, and I think the Rams would be smart to save Gurley. I always felt like running backs, and I know this is hard in football, but for me, if I was, if a coach, I would save the back for November and December. I would save them as the closer. I would have a closer back. You know, somebody who can close the fourth quarter, somebody who can close it out. Like when the Raiders signed Marshawn Lynch, I thought he would be the perfect closer. He's the Mariano Rivera. Nobody wants to tackle his big fat ass coming down the field in the fourth quarter, right? Nobody wants a piece of him, right? Who wants to tackle him? And so they don't want to tackle him. And then in November and December, when people stop practicing, right? That's all. Mostly teams go through a lot of walkthroughs. There's no contact at practice. Do you want to tackle a big 270 pound, 260 pound man coming at you? No chance. And do you want to tackle him in the fourth quarter? No chance. But I don't, I would see like to me, if I were building a team again, I would, the one of the running backs I would call would be a closer back, a back that can close out the game, not necessarily running the ball, but catching it and being a force. And you see fresh legs, how critical it is late in a football game. The defense oh. has already worn down their gas. When you look at time of possession, it's such a telling stat. You go, oh my God, they've had the ball for 40 minutes. The defense can't hold up anymore. Yeah, that's what people miss the boat so much, AD, is, is people say you got to play better defense. I say you got to play less defense. And the only way you play less defense is by having a control of the offense. And when the Eagles were really good two years ago, they played 26 minutes of defense. When they got to play 32 minutes, they're not very good. And how do you do that? You got to get off the field. I, I think this, I think 
running backs, it's a position that that people tend to want to they, they want to look at it early. When and when I was a GM, I thought if we draft a running back, I want him to hold out. Like I'll encourage him to hold out. Miss camp, I don't care. Like don't come in. You can't get hurt, right? Right. Like Sonny Michelle, when he got hurt this year for the Patriots, everybody's oh another guy got hurt. Who was fresh at the end of the year? Right, Sony Michelle, ready to go. Sony Michelle, ready to go. He was at his peak performance when they needed him most. I think that's what they have to do with Gurley. I think they're going to have to. Look, it's a little bit like Gurley is no different than Joel Embiid. You, when you got him, you love him, right? But you're not going to have him all the time. So, like, for me, if I were drafting for the 76ers, and trust me, I've been working on it. I've been preparing. <laughs> I've been working on this. I've got my – ready I to got, answer that call if necessary. I'm ready to if, – if, if Brett Brown calls, I'm ready to come in and, and offer an opinion. The next, most important position on the 76ers is the backup center. When you watch Toronto and you watch Golden State, the Sixers could have competed with any of them if they would have just had a backup. If, if two things happened, and these are big ifs, mm-hmm. if Embiid was in shape and if they had a backup center. Right. And that's the problem, right? Depth is so critical. And that's the problem for Philly. They just didn't have that depth. Whereas the Raptors, you go one through 10. The Warriors, hey, Cousins comes back, different team. The, the different team. I, I'm going to write a column for The Athletic, and it's going to be called If. So, like, most of the time, GMs are sitting around their office right now saying they should be playing the if game. If we lose this player, what do we look like? If we lose that player, what does it look like? If this player comes through, what does it look like? You know, you got to play that game. If Nick Foles, and I'm happy that his wife's okay, if he gets hurt, who's playing quarterback for us? Nobody. We're, we're doomed. We're a 4-12 and team. Right. If you're if you're David Caldwell sitting down there and you're playing the if game, which you should be doing now instead of playing golf in the afternoon, you're saying, shit, we better find a backup quarterback. But it's hilarious, Mike, because like what you're describing is exactly what a therapist would. Dr. Melfi would say the way you shouldn't live your life. You should live your yeah. life that everything's going to be positive and yeah. things will work out. And you're going the other way. You're going neurotic and just like, hey, if this is where we got to do this, we got eight different contingency plans. That's the life of a, a front office executive. No doubt. And that's why the Belichick's nickname is Doom. I mean, Parcells nicknamed him Doom. Do you know why? Because he's doom and gloom all the time. Bill, Bill would walk around and, oh, shit, we can't do this. We can't do that. Well, right. it's that negative energy that I think he transposes. And, and it's like, you know, I, and Charlie Munger really kind of started this, the great uh, Berkshire Hathaway president who I've read a lot about. And he talks about how he spends most of his days trying to disprove his theories. Like he comes up with a theory and then he wants to try to disprove it. And I think that's what you have to do. If you can't, I know that's a tormented way to live your life. <laughs> you sound like a tormented artist. Like your whole life, you create this invention. You go, why? Here's what this invention sucks. Here's why it it's sucks. never going to work. Here's my problem. And, you know, and then you sit there and you wonder why the hell you can't get, you know, but that's what you have to do. Yeah. And what, if I play the game, everything's fine. And I assume it's all going to plan like Austin Powers or, you know, in Batman, they're just going to, the Joker's going to kill him and then we're going to come back. <laughs> like it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, Well, let's play the if game with regards to a topic which has been percolating for a few years now, and that is the whole issue of preseason games. Now, you can tell me as an executive, as a guy who knows it, the value of it, but I can tell you as a fan, I mean, there's nothing worse. Nothing worse. Right? I'll I'll watch the third preseason game because that's where most of the regulars start. The first one I never watch, and the fourth one, you couldn't pay me enough money to watch the fourth preseason game of a team because they don't even get a series sometimes. You forget about it. We we should just, I mean, first of all, we should just call the fourth preseason games. We should, you know, the fourth preseason games should be played at like Lehigh's, you know, they should be played like on that. And the players should take yellow school buses to the games. I mean, it should be like an event. 
Seriously. <laughs> Make it like Pop we should, Warner. Exactly. We should turn it into an event. Like, this is going to be an event. Like, instead of it being in front of nobody shows up. I mean, Labor Day weekend in New York City, everybody's either at the Hamptons or the Jersey Shore. Nobody's watching them. And who wants to watch two teams, the, G- the Giants and the Patriots, play with players they don't even know about? Right. This preseason thing, I think it has to get worked out. I, I think there has to be a sense of that you've got to find a way to have developmental practices developmental games and you got to and you got to have 18 regular season games two preseason but you almost have to have two where i think and this is where we're going like detroit's going to practice against the, the the patriots right like let people come watch that for free let it have an inner squad scrimmage with that on the field somewhere in, 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 in central Michigan, let's say. But basically be all players you're just trying to develop. you got to have developmental days. And here's what I can see the players union is saying. Because we're talking about this because Roger Goodell said the preseason games are unnecessary. The players are going to say, oh, yeah, this is a really smart way. You're sneaking in two more games on us. Right. So there's more chance of concussion, career-threatening injuries, et cetera. No, 16-game season. If you want to cut the preseason, fine. But you can't just squeeze in two more games all of a sudden. Hey, look what just happened. We're playing 18 regular season games all of a sudden how'd that happen and and somebody i don't know how much money we're talking about because ultimately when you boil this all down it all comes down to money right Right. i mean who's replacing the money that you have to have like who's replacing this money that we've lost if we give up two games like i think the raiders to be honest with you the raiders are going to talk about playing a game up in winnipeg or somewhere that's brilliant Yep. That's brilliant. I mean, I think you should. I think that. I think the. Frankly, I think the Raiders, which would be even more brilliant, if the Raiders were like the Harlem Globetrotters and played their entire schedule in different cities. Like you know, if they played the road games in <laughs> Wichita, road towns, Kansas. Yeah, I can already right. Picture. Like yeah. okay, the Raiders. We're gonna we're gonna play in Salt Lake City this week. It'll be a home game for us. You right. know, like that would be brilliant. Like and then you know why, why play on that third infield. Seriously, like why play on that third infield? And I think it's great for the Raiders. I think it's a brilliant move by them to go play in Winnipeg, even if they make $50,000. Even if they break even, it's still a great move for them to get away from all that crap. Yeah, they love their Blue Bombers up there, the CFL in Winnipeg. Uh, as far as the Patriots are concerned, Rob Gronkowski, we talked about this previously, Mike, and I said, do you think Gronk could come back? And you said, yeah, I think there's a chance. I think he's going to miss football. I think potentially it could happen, et cetera. Well, Gronk's saying the comeback, he's putting the comeback talk to rest. How yeah. much are you buying when, when guys say, well, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done? Because we've seen enough, especially boxing. Look how many times a guy says, he, says he's done, he comes back again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, why if Gronk is done, why is he going to TB12 so much to work out? Why is he in Miami working out? Like, if he's done, like, it isn't like he's losing weight and he's gotten all thin and he's, you know, he's not replacing Dwayne Johnson on Moana. I mean, he's not doing that, right? <laughs> Good By the way, I've watched that movie 17,000. When you have a grandson, right. who, I've, I've watched that movie 17,000. I, I can I sing the song. I said, your two boys are old enough. I'm like, oh, it's grandkids. That's how you know the yeah. Moana movie. <laughs> I, I'm into this. I'm into this. I'm into Moana. I'm into uh, Paw Patrol. And I'm into Disney oh, Paw I mean, Who's your favorite Paw Patrol? Rubble is great. I don't know who's who. Oh, yeah. I want to know who's financing these dogs. Like, these dogs have, they got their own private air force. They got the, I mean, it's amazing. They're going to Paris in a whim. They can take care of everybody. <laughs> the other day, they went to Hawaii to get sand. I'm like, holy shit, these guys are well financed. <laughs> We're going to talk to Paw Patrol. Get to the sponsor of the podcast. How great would it be if you got to voice a character on Paw Patrol? Like some angry dog. That. The nemesis comes in. Lombardi plays the, plays the villain. Oh, it would be so cool to do that. It would be unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing the graphics that they have. I mean, it's oh, yeah. fascinating. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's- and the, I mean, look, but anyway, I've been into that. I, I don't know why Gronk keeps saying no. He looks too young. I mean, and I think coming back, I think he could have two or three years where he could play and utilize it at the right right level. Make the point, though, for those who are listening for the first time, it was a great point you made to me last time. You can't just show up for like the last eight games of the year, right? right. There's that stipulation. Explain that for everybody who's Once the trading deadline comes, then Gronk loses all his rights. He has to go through the waiver wire before he can become on the active roster. So that becomes problematic for him. And I think, to me, I, I, I think he, you know, if, if he says this in the middle of September, I'll believe it. He's him saying it in June before he gets his rings on Thursday, I, I'm not I'm not buying it yet. And I don't think Drew Rosenhaus, I bet you Drew Rosenhaus is an encouraging him, hey, come back, come back, come back. And I'm sure they would take him back. I was about to say, just skip training camp, skip the stuff yeah. nobody wants to do, and just show up week one. We're good to go. Yeah. And, and you know, people don't realize Gronk's not Gronk's like my dog Bella. Bella hates the heat, right? Yeah. She can't. Bella can walk five miles when it's cool. Can't walk two miles when it's hot. That's Gronk. Gronk <laughs> hates the heat. Hates the heat. And, and the, you mentioned the schedule. Pats have that game in Miami. He'll want to skip that game. Oh, no, he'll, he'll kill him. No, he'll want nothing to do with that. I mean, he's just not – I mean, he sweats. You know, some people just aren't built for that heat. That's why I think Miami is going to be an interesting play. They open Baltimore. They got New England. They're, they're not going to be 0-2 to start the season. I'll promise you that. Yeah. All right. So that's the story when it comes to, to Gronk. But in terms of camp in general, you know, you hear these stories. This guy looks really good at camp. This guy's OBJ is missing a lot of time at camp. Like how, well, how OBJ important is- follows the Patriots program, though? I mean, have you ever seen anything like this guy in your life? Is there ever a better con man? Seriously. I mean, the two best con guys are in this thing, right? I, I would put Odell Beckham right next to those two guys. Unbelievable. What were their right? names? You brought, you have to remember their I names. Can't, oh, I know it's Redford and Paul Newman. I can't remember the names offhand, but you're right. They were Award winner for best picture. It's amazing. Great. Film. I mean, that's just so good at the con. But like this whole thing that he does, you know, it's like he he lures people. Even Freddie Kitchens is like, where is the dude? Yeah. Like, really, where are you? Yeah, Freddie Kitchens saying it publicly to me, I was like, listen, if you're annoyed with the guy, I mean, deal with it. But why are you doing it publicly? Unless that is your point, trying to send a message across like, hey, we need this well, guy. What's the only probably way you can communicate him. I mean, he, it's the only way you can communicate him is publicly. Right. I'm sure he's probably not him. returning. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's probably got 86 phones. I don't know which ones. You know, he probably has a phone for blonde hair women. He probably has a phone for dark hair women. You know, okay, that's my dark hair phone. I got that one. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, I literally have been in an interview. I literally have been in an interview with a player, and he brought in three phones. And literally, he went through what each phone was for. And I don't want to get into the graphic nature of sure. what they were for. Sure. But it was like, okay, I can't even imagine this. Like, go to the next. We're not drafting you. We're going to go. I love that. He, he's candid with you because when you asked him, like, hey, yeah, no, be he gave me the right answer. He's like, this phone is for this. This, yeah. Okay, fine. You can go. Keep going. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> I want to hear this story off the air. I can't wait. Uh, other stories discussed. Gerald McCoy. McCoy, how much more does he have left in the tank? This D tackle who was fearsome about five years ago with the Bucks. This is the greatest. This is what happens when you have an agent that, that kind of can create his own stir, right? So you're sitting back. We know the Patriots said no. We know the Ravens have said no, even though it's coming out that McCoy's no longer consider him. Then he was going to give it the weekend to make a decision. He's got very few options. I would say it's probably down to one team. I would say it's probably down to just either the the Browns. Now, they say the Ravens. I'm not sure that it'll be the Ravens, but it could be. I don't think he has much gas left. I think whoever signs this guy is going to be looking for a tackle. Remember, he could be a progress stopper because if he hasn't been in camp, what people don't understand, if you're not in camp, your legs have no juice. Like our man, the boxer, the other day, when he lost his legs, he couldn't really function, right? Anthony Joshua, yeah. yeah look at his shell of himself. Right? Once you lose your legs, you can't get it back at his age. 
I, I think it's a non-story. I, I think people see the name and they don't realize he didn't play well. Hey, when Bruce Arians says he doesn't fit, what does that tell you? Like, like seriously, like how does he not fit? Right? All good defensive players can fit somewhere, right? There's a guy like him, a run stuff for a guy who's just a big load. Like just you just just and just, can rush just, the passer. Right. Just take two offensive linemen and do what you gotta do. But no, and he, he doesn't, doesn't fit. fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit. That's that's the that's one of the great lies of all time. Speaking of not fitting, how about uh, coaches getting hurt? Lafleur tearing an Achilles for the Green Bay well, Packers. He's not the only one though. Ad, here's the thing that I've heard is they have this night basketball game right up oh, there in gosh. Green Bay. They have an indoor basketball court, and all the coaches are going in there. I'm already and rolling my eyes, Mike, because this is like these classic jocks still want to do stuff they did ten years ago. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? Take it easy. You know, it's funny. I read the article you gave me, the Wright Thompson book. I've read the, the one column on trying to find the 50th fighter on... Ali. All of Ali's opponents was amazing. was an amazing column. Of course, everything the guy writes is amazing. But with Jordan, when Jordan went and really worked out hard, and then the next day had to take like seven Advil to get going, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought that was reminiscent of this Packers situation where the Packers, all these coaches, they're playing, and they've had like multiple coaches have torn calves. They've got quad muscles. Like they're literally in the training room. Like they have no chance. Like they're beat up, the whole coaching staff, from just playing intramural basketball. <laughs> So when the floor like tore his Achilles, like he's not the only injury. Like they literally have an injury list of all. And I guess they're up there and they, you know, they're all in there and they're trying to hang out and it's probably good for them. It's going to be fascinating to see this one. I about to say, I know it's good bonding and I get that it's team building, but if you're running the ship, would you go, hey guys, knock it off. Just do, let's, shoot, let's, let's shoot some pool. Okay. Find something let, else. Let, let's understand how old we are. I mean, like literally when I, when the, when the grandson's around here, I'm on an eight Advil day. I mean, let's face it. I mean, <laughs> It's, I'm up to eight Advil when but he's Are you around. playing like boat shit with them? Like, are you going hardcore in the back? I don't know. But I mean, the other day I looked at my, I looked at my Fitbit and I had like 26,000 steps. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where the hell I'm going. Like, <laughs> I'm lost, but making good time. I love it. One more before we get to over-under for the NFC West. And this is the Jets, your favorite team, deep in yeah. this search for a GM. Last time we talked about was Douglas with Philly. What are you hearing now in terms of their management structure? I'm hearing it's all about Christopher Johnson definitely wants the right partnership. And I think it will it could be Douglas. It could be somebody else. But he wants a partnership. And I think what let him down the boat, down the wrong why he made the change, was he felt like the partnership was never going to work between McKagan and, and, and Gase. And I think that's what he he really visualizes the partnership. And I think the other issue is, is that he really liked Todd Bowles. He really liked it. He did not want to fire Todd Bowles, Christopher Johnson. And I think that McKagan wanted to fire him because he thought it would get him more time. And once he realized that whoever he brought in is not. So I think this is going to be a partnership. I think whether, whether it's Chew Douglas, whether it's Terry Fontenot, whether it's somebody out of left field, I don't know that for sure. I do think it's still Douglas because I don't. Douglas is going to take the job. And Gase has no problem turning over the 53 to somebody. Gase is in power hungry. So – I think it'll be Douglas because Douglas doesn't really, at the end of the day, I don't think he wants to stay in Philadelphia. I really don't. Yeah, you painted a picture very vividly for him. This is a guy who's built up a lot, who's been really smart in terms of player personnel, but nowhere else to go and can be getting pushed a little bit. And others, if you get squeezed out a little bit, get out before they get rid of you, right? Yeah, I mean, or, or, or if you don't really feel comfortable there, why work there? Like, go somewhere where you feel most comfortable and get out. Look, everybody says, well, wait, there'll be another one coming down. They've never, people have never waited. Like, you got to have to, it's a hard thing to do to wait. I think it's probably more difficult than people think. 
All right, let's take a second here, Mike, to talk about, you know, what if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job? Now, ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app, let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in, and its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know if you're interested in the job, you can apply. Yeah, and based on third-party surveys, seven out of 10 people who found a new job on ZipRecruiter recruiter increased their salaries. Seven out of 10 people increased their salaries. That's pretty impressive. And I'll tell you, if Douglas gets the jet job, he's going to increase his salary. And he <laughs> and, and, and he probably should have gone through ZipRecruiter to do it. Absolutely. Our listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today. Let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. We now go towards the different divisions. We've been doing over under here. We travel to the NFC West. First off, the Rams 8-1. Now, you discussed the fact, if Gurley's out, how problematic that could be. And I know you're not as um, infatuated with Jared Goff as some other main people. So 8-1 to one right now to win the division. I don't mm-hmm. know if they have too much competition to win the division, but how do you see the Rams? I like them to win the division, but here's the question. Can they get to 11 wins? Can they get there? I, I, I don't mean, think so. I mean, that's the hard one for me. I'm not sold that they can get there. You know, they open up in Carolina, which, you know, I I think, and then they got New Orleans at home. They go to Cleveland and they have Tampa. So they, for the first month of the season, they're pretty good. Then they got Seattle, San Francisco, Atlanta, Cincinnati. I think there's, there could be 11 wins in there because look, they're going to play the NFC, the AFC North, right? They're playing the AFC North. So that's Baltimore, which by week 12, 12 of the season that's Christmas I don't know about that you got Cincinnati's not a great team plus they got the AFC South uh, I, that's a hard one I think ten, okay. I think it's the right number I think 10 and I, I would stay away to me I'm gonna stay away from the Rams I think they can get to 11 though all right, Seahawks overall team in some ways in transition. Clearly, you don't recognize anybody from that defense if you're looking at them from the Super Bowl champions, but Russell Wilson gets his massive contract. Are they the second best team in the division? I do. I think they are. I, I really think they are. And I, and I think, again, they're playing the AFC South and the NFC South. I think that they're, you know, I think they got a chance to really add some things. The, their number is at eight, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that where they are? Yeah, 25 to one odds overall. Eight and a half. So they're perfect. Yeah. See, that Vegas just knows how to screw you with that half point. But I do think <laughs> I do think they get to nine. I think they get to nine wins. I think they're a nine-win team. I think they're better. Russell Wilson, if you're paying, you're the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, you better win nine games. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I guess, listen, if you got Russell Wilson, because to me, Mike, if you go nine wins, you go, okay, that's periphery of playoffs. Ten wins, you should make the playoffs. And to me, if you said right now Seattle makes the playoffs, I'd say they're going to be close. I don't feel supremely confident, but they're going to be close. So that's why you're right, eight and a half. But I, w- I would go over. I would take the nine. Now, San Francisco, eight wins, that's a hard one. I'm thinking they're under there. I don't see – I think if San Francisco finished seven and nine, I think they have a pretty good season. I, yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're going to have to take a job. They have to prove to me on defense that they can stop somebody. And I know they got Bosa, who, by the way, has hurt. So they're concerned about him already. I mean, I, I don't know about that one. I don't have enough confidence that the 49ers are an eight win a 500 team. Yeah, I guess the thought just becomes, oh, listen, they got their quarterback back. They're healthy again. But to your point, you're, you're 50% of the game, you're not even sure about their defense. Who's their playmakers going to be? Where's their identity on defense? Yeah, if you think I, I the 49ers don't... defense, who stands out to you? There really isn't any players. 
and I'm not in love with their defensive coordinator. I don't think they make great adjustments during the game. I think they struggle. I, I think, you know, they have all the, their secondary is really to me suspect. I, I'm not buying them as a football team. I did last year. I love Garoppolo and I hope he wins 10 games, but I don't see it on paper. And lastly, the Cardinals five win team over or under for them. I'm going under. I mean, first of all, you got a rookie quarterback in a spread formation. The ball's in his hands all the time. How do you think this is going to work out? <laughs> Seriously, how's it going to work out? About to say, look at any rookie quarterback. It's exceptionally rare you can come in and have immediate success. It's a clear yeah. under for me. I mean, if they go over, I think Kinsburg might get coach of the year. <laughs> If you could say five, if it's a five and eleven team, Kingsbury coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how they've improved themselves. I mean, their 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 offensive line still isn't where it needs to be. They've added some receivers, but I mean, first of all, he's going to find out. He's going to have to make adjustments to what he does. And he's not going to be able to do it in the preseason because nobody's going to show him what they're going to do. But once that regular season starts, once he faces those defenses where he's got to, you know, he's got to sit there. Like he opens up with Detroit, that he's got Baltimore. He faces Don Martindale's defense in Baltimore. He's going to see things he's never seen before. And how does he adjust to it? Then Carolina's going to do it. I think the first month of the season for the Cardinals is critical. They play Detroit, Baltimore, Carolina, and Seattle. Four defensive coaches that will probably challenge cliff pretty much and then we'll see what he does because then he's got to make an adjustment and he doesn't have the off season to do it right that's where things get dicey uh before we get to hard knocks you've been talking fantasy looking at different offensive positions this time we're going to focus on defense who are some defenses if you're out there thinking about your fantasy football mike you think these teams are going to be staunch defensively I love Denver's defense. I think Chubb back, they gave Chris Harris the big extension. I think Vic Fangio gives them an identity on defense. I think they'll be a good defense this year. I really do. I think Denver's going to be a problem that can cover. And I think with Chubb and Von Miller with a lot to prove, and I think they'll like the coach. I, I think Denver's going to be a tough defense. I think Philly's going to be a really tough defense too. I think Philly's got improved their defensive line. I think they can get after it. Key there, their depth on the defensive line, right? They, they can rotate so many guys. Even with Chris Long now gone, I feel like they've got, and Bennett gone too. Yeah, and now, Look, everybody knows Chicago's going to be good on defense. I, it's going to be interesting to see the difference between how it works out between Chuck Pagano taking over for Vic Fangio. So that's going to be – I like the Chargers too. I think the Chargers have improved defensively. I think the Chargers can still come – because, again, I think the way to play great defense is play less defense. And so look at the offense too. Like New England. I think New England will be pretty good on defense. We know Belichick's coaching the defense. I think they'll run the football. I think New England will end up playing less, less defense – than they did last year. I think the key to being a great defense is to play 27 minutes. That should be the goal. That should be the goal. We're going to play 27. You play 27 minutes of defense a night, you'll be pretty good. Yeah, you ask any, especially those big 300-pounders, man. Just give me your best, and I'll make sure you get your rest. We're not. That was right. all issue with Chip Kelly, right? It was like, man, the, the team is gassed because his offense is trying to go so quick. Right. The defense is like, give us a break, man. Let's go. Exactly, exactly. And I think if you pace the game the right way, you help your defense. And I think that's where I wrote the column about Baltimore. I didn't think they would get over, and people started lecturing me about Baltimore and what you know they won because of you know the way they run. Baltimore's defense was good, but it didn't become great until they played less defense because Baltimore's offense was carrying the time possession. That's critical. That's critical. How you carry the time possession doesn't necessarily mean run the ball, but I think that's critical. All right, last up here as we close with Shop on the GM Shuffle. As always, subscribe, rate, review, check out the podcast to all your friends. Hard Knocks. It's must-see TV, Mike, when you watch it on HBO. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we can discuss this in a matter of ways, but what do you think of Hard Knocks and way if you had your team there getting a microscope like that? 
I think you have to be really careful if you let Hard Knocks in your building because if Hard Knocks comes in, you could get your ass fired. I mean, Herm Edwards got fired. Herm Edwards got fired because of he let Hard Knocks in his building. Right. It, he, you know, they watched him and pondering. I think you got to be careful. The word is it's Detroit. Right. And I, th- I think that's going to be a fascinating to watch. First of all, I think, you know, we should today, we should go buy stock in number two pencils because – if it's Detroit, and and we got my man Matt with his number two pencil behind his ear, even though he's carrying a laminated sheet around with him that he can't <laughs> use the pencil for. Matt Patricia loves the pencils. I love it. Loves the pencil. <laughs> Buy pencil stock. I think that'll be fascinating to see how this all goes. There's a lot. Like I think Detroit's going to be an interesting team because there's not necessarily this fanfare with them and mm-hmm. how much have they all bought in. The Matthew Stafford situation, we've talked about this, is going to be fascinating. I think, And I think that's why the drama in that, they want to see how Matthew Stafford's wife's doing, how that all plays in. Again, the 76ers, most important position, backup center. I think Detroit, the most important position, backup quarterback. I think if I were top Bob Quinn and, I, and I'm playing that if game, if we have to give Matthew Stafford the month off of, of and his wife is not well and she and he can't really focus, which and and understanding that that could clearly be the case. And we play Arizona, we play the Chargers, we play Philly, and we play Kansas City. We play three really hard games. I better have a really good quarterback. And then they got the bye. I mean, those four games, if they are one and three at the break and come back and play Monday night against Green Bay, in Green Bay, and they end up one and four to start the season. Yeah, and as you told to pointed out before, listen, Caldwell was player-friendly. Guys liked him. Patricia came in there. It's a, it's a different feeling right now, and I would be curious to see how much Hard Knocks gets that intensity and whether or not the players are buying in or if he's rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, look, I mean, he can he beat the Chargers? I don't think so. Can he beat Philly? No. Can he beat Kansas City? No. Can he beat Green Bay? In Green Bay, no. Can he beat Minnesota? I don't think so. He has the Giants. Then he's got Oakland, Chicago. I mean, by the, by the middle of November, he might have two wins. If he only has two wins in November, they're going to fire his ass. Because uh, he's, not, he's not exactly won a lot of favor over there, no matter how many, you know, sometimes he goes and does these things outside that makes him look like, but in terms of the core people, I'm not sure they buy in the authenticity. Yeah, if you're rankling the wrong people, you're ruffling the wrong feathers, you're in trouble. Uh, once again, subscribe, rate, review, your prediction, NBA Finals, Raptors, Warriors, who wins? By the time we talk next, we'll probably be a champion. I think it's the Warriors win. I I think the Warriors made the – I think we get too caught up in watching these games and not allowing for the adjustments. I thought Milwaukee did a horrendous job adjusting to what Toronto did to them. I think Giannis really got caught. I think that that Kerr did a good job of adjusting. Durant, if he comes back, I was impressed with Boogie Cousins. I mean, my Lord. You know, he's out of shape, but he was fighting through it. I was. I I think Golden State wins it. I really do. I I don't even know if they need Durant, right? Before you kind of, after the first game, you go, man, when's Durant coming back? Now you kind of go, hmm, game four, right? If you lose game three, you're okay. Get Durant back for four. There's a heart of a champion, man. And and, and they have this heart that just, you can't put them away. I thought last night was going to be the hardest game of the season for the Raptors, and it was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They had a glimmer there late, but I'm like, man, that third quarter was overwhelming. Horrible, horrible. It was amazing. Yep. All right. Safe travels, my friend. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.